You know, we all have a way of walking through life, of how we kind of navigate, how we get through. Um, We have reasons why we do the things that we do, why we act like we act, why we respond the way we respond. For instance, if somebody on Park Avenue pulls out in front of you and they don't speed up, they kind of just kind of putter along, we get upset if you're like me with them sometimes. Sometimes we have very, very frank discussions with them from inside our car. And sometimes we just assume they're hard of hearing and we might use sign language. I don't know. Strange, weird sign language. But it communicates. Well... We have reasons why we do what we do and why we act the way we act. We, maybe you walk through the break room at work, and as you walk in, a, a conversation grows very quiet that somebody's having, and instantly you feel, because it may be the case, I don't know, that they were talking about you. And now some distance between you and them emotionally grows, and maybe it gets thick during the week. And you're just imagining and thinking what they were saying, how they were saying it. It worries you. It's heavy on your mind. And maybe you go straight to your phone and you text one of your friends talking about them now. Most often, if, I think if we were to look at our lives, our reactions, things we say, what we do, I think most often, for many of us, we could say, you know, it's not really the best. I mean, it's not working great the way I'm navigating those things, those difficult things. It's not really great. But we do it that way anyway. Because even if it's an unhealthy pattern that we're repeating, and we do it over and over and over again, there's something about that that is giving us some kind of payoff, something that we want. Sometimes we have a tendency to blame government. If our country feels like it's a mess or if it is a mess, if you're a Republican, you're probably blaming the Democrats. If you're a Democrat, you're blaming the Republicans, and we're always ready for someone to go out there and do something and to fix it and to make it right. And if the government or if that representative or if that president doesn't do it the way we want it done, then yeah, we complain about it, and we complain a lot. We may not do anything, but we certainly will complain, and we'll run that person down verbally. You know, they're not the only ones who run people down verbally. In fact, we're kind of taught to do that. We're kind of taught to air our grievances. James has a picture for that. We like to air our grievances. We like to let people know what we don't like and what's going on. Just like that. I got a lot of problems with you people. We have a tendency to just lay it all out there. And if we don't air our grievances with that person, then we certainly might air our grievances with someone else about that person. And we have a tendency to talk 
and talk and talk about them, about that, talk and talk. They're the target, and we usually say things like this, will they always, or we say, will they never, and we say, I can't believe they did that. And we go on and on and on, and have you noticed those conversations spiral downward? They just spiral. It never really spirals up into a positive direction. It usually spirals down. And at the end of that spiral, guess what? We don't feel better. We usually feel worse. Finally, after talking and talking and talking and talking about that person, we get so exhausted of just talking about that person that we finally just stop. And then everything's real quiet weird, awkwardly quiet for a moment. And guess what? In that moment, we think to ourselves, I don't feel any better about all of this. Maybe for you, your conversation is actually leading towards some kind of confrontation. And there's a whole lot of us out there who find ourselves in confrontation. Maybe you're one of the types that's a stuffer and you take whatever's out there and you just kind of stuff it down. You just stuff it. Whatever they're dishing out, you just kind of take it and you stuff it. And one day you get so full of stuffing that you explode on everybody around you. Or maybe you're the ignorer. Maybe for you, you just keep looking away. You pretend it's not happening. You pretend there's not something that you need to deal with. And you just look the other way. And you keep looking the other way until the problem becomes so ginormous that the problem itself explodes and you're forced to deal with it. Or maybe you're an exploder. And maybe the slightest departure from your plan and boom! You explode on everyone around you, and the people around you live their lives walking on eggshells. Or maybe you're a pleaser, and maybe you work to make everyone happy, and, and seeing that they are happy is your responsibility, you feel. You take the responsibility of their happiness. Or maybe you're a nagging negative. Maybe you're always frowning about something. I mean, you could have won the Publishers Clearinghouse $100 million, billion, trillion, whatever they do, and you could have won all of that, and you would be saying, yeah, but I got to pay all those taxes. Maybe you're always looking for someone to confront and someone to complain to. You see, these are all ways that we have learned to navigate this life, how we have learned to walk through this life. Somewhere along the way, we learned it. We learned it. Uh, we, we either watched somebody and kind of repeated the way they did it, or maybe we just learned it ourselves from trial and error, but we learned it. Now, as we started this series, we said, the topic is walk this way. And we said, that implies there's a direction, as if the Holy Spirit is waving you down and saying, don't go down the path you've been going down. Stop. Leave that path and come over to my path and follow Jesus. Go to this path and follow Jesus. It's the path of grace. So it implies, walk this way, implies there's a direction to choose. But we said last week, it's not just a direction to choose. In other words, landing on the, the path of grace, that's not where it ends. 
it's also not just a direction that we choose, but it's also a how-to. In other words, walk this way. Walk this direction, but also walk like Jesus walked. Walk the way Jesus walked. It's a how-to walk. And we said, if you're on the path of grace, now your job is to grow in that grace. As we walk through this life, um, as we walk through this series about walking through this life, you know what Paul is saying, really, if we boiled it down to just a phrase? He's really saying this. Let's learn again. In fact, he's saying, let's learn over. Let's learn all over how to walk. And that's what Paul is saying. And yes, that is a bit embarrassing because we think we're teenagers and we're adults and we should know by now how to walk. We should know how to walk through this life. And it's embarrassing if we have to start over. And yes, it, it's also a bit humbling to think that there are many things that I am not doing right, and it's humbling, so humbling to have to admit that I haven't done it right at my age. It's humbling, and it can also be discouraging. I mean, we have a tendency to keep a, to keep a scorecard. We have a tendency to keep a scorecard, and if we have to start over learning how to walk again, we feel like, oh my word, I'm losing on the scorecard. All of my friends are advancing ahead of me. They're getting way ahead of me. If I have to start over, then I'm getting behind. I'm losing. But Paul is saying, no, 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 no. You are not losing. If you begin again here, if you start over, learn how to walk over, learn again how to walk through this life, you are winning. You're not losing. So start now, and you are winning. That's what Paul is saying. Now, let me catch you up on what Paul is teaching us. He's saying, if you are on this path of grace... If you have chosen to leave your path and follow Jesus to get on his path of grace, he's saying now you need to actually now follow him. Just getting on the path is not what it is. It's now following Jesus. So to follow Jesus, you're now growing in this grace. Grow in that grace. Walk like Jesus walked. That's what Paul is teaching us. And this week, it's simply this. He's going to encourage us to keep growing in that grace. Now, here's a big thought. Don't miss this. Paul is saying the more you understand God's grace lavished upon you, the more your behavior changes. That's what he's saying. Let's jump into his letter to this guy named Titus, chapter 3, and we're going to look at five verses, starting with verse 1. He says to Titus, Remind the believers. Now, let me just say a point here. He's talking specifically to people who are on the path of grace and following Jesus. If you this morning are a Christ follower, this is to you. If you are not yet a Christ follower, then you get to listen in and you get to decide, do I want to do this or not? Because I don't have to follow the Bible. I'm not a Christ follower. So you, you get to choose. But if you're a believer, if you're a follower this morning, Paul is saying, this is you for sure. Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. Hang right there on that verse for me for just a moment, James. Here we are. 
Should we have to pause here on this verse and break it down to explain what this verse means and the nuances of this verse? No, we, we, we really shouldn't have to. It's pretty clear, isn't it, what it says? I mean, that's pretty clear. The problem is we look at that verse and we want to create exceptions, Reasons why we don't have to follow that verse. Exceptions. We want to create exceptions where only, literally, one exception is given. We like to create many exceptions. If you're a Republican, you're tempted to say, well, the problem is everything that happened there under Obama. That's the problem. He's not my president. He wasn't then. He's not now. If you're a Democrat, you're tempted to say, the problem's Trump. He's the problem. And he's not my president. We have that temptation maybe to say those things. I heard it with Obama. I hear it with Trump. And all I can say is this. You were wrong to say that. And if you're saying it now, you are wrong. You see, we have been given one single exception to this verse right here. The time when it's okay not to submit. One exception. Paul talks about it in the book of Romans. Luke talks about it in the book of Acts. One exception. But I want to tell you this. I'm not going to tell you what it is. If you want to find it, you need to dig in and go look. Book of Romans, book of Acts, you'll find one exception. But here's what you'll also find. It probably doesn't apply to you right now. That verse applies to you right now. You see, Paul, when he wrote this, he was speaking to a, a group of people. They were from the island of Crete, and they hated their Roman government. Here's what happened. They had a hostile takeover, Crete did, about 130 years before Paul wrote this. 130 years before the Romans came in and conquered Crete. And now Paul was telling them, these people on this island, he was telling them, you must submit to your government, and if you are rebelling against it, you are wrong. That's what he said. Now, Paul goes on. He said, they, which he's describing me and you and us, we, they should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. I love this, this part of this verse. If you are on the path of grace following Jesus, if you're growing in that grace, then God's spirit is kind of like waving his hands. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't do that. And then he's pointing over here, do this instead. Don't walk that way, walk this way. And when he does that in our lives, it requires us being ready to actually do the next right thing. Always being ready to say yes to whatever that next right thing is that God's Spirit is telling you to do. Now, Paul gives us some examples of some Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 no. Don't do that. No, no, no. Don't do that. And here's the first example in verse 2. He says, they must not slander anyone. Now, just pause there for just a moment, James. They must not slander anyone. Now, this stings a little bit. In other words, you, you, you must not talk badly about anyone. That stings. 
I personally have a very small, I personally know a very small handful of people that refuse to slander another person. Just a very small handful. And let me give you a hint. I'm not in that handful. This is so tough. God's spirit so often in my life is waving me down. Harley, no, 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 Harley, no, no, no. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't think that. I am aware, he would tell me in my heart. I'm aware that they've hurt you. I'm aware that they've harmed you. But your slandering them does not make it better. Wow. And you know what? Slandering somebody does not make you better. And ouch. When I hear that, it makes me grimace and it makes me shake my head at myself. That is painful to hear. And as Paul often does, he doesn't let up here. He keeps going. He goes on. He says, and you must avoid quarreling. James is going to put that on the screen. You must avoid quarreling. He says, avoid it. Don't participate in it. Don't respond. Don't get even with them verbally. Don't give that person a piece of your mind. He says, avoid it. He wants you to walk around it. If you see it coming, walk around it. If you find yourself in it, get out the side door. Walk away. Don't be a part of it. Instead of moving toward a coral when you see it coming, he says, avoid it. Now, there's an ancient Greek uh, translation here for this phrase. It speaks volumes. So I'm going to give you the Greek phrase for this statement. Keep your mouth shut. That's it. When you see it coming, it's the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 no. Don't say that. Now, both of these things, slandering and quarreling, both of them, slandering, fighting, Paul is saying, we need to maybe like draw back from our roots, from, from our way back past. And I think Paul would maybe say it this way. Watch this little video clip. If you can't say someone lies, don't say nothing at all. <laughs> the young people are saying, what in the world? And I just have to say one thing. You're deprived. You have my permission to go quarrel with your parents. <laughs> go watch that. Paul is saying, got to keep your mouth shut. But as Paul does, he says, that's not all. There's more to it. He doesn't let up. It's not just keeping your mouth shut. It goes much deeper than that, much further than that. And I'm just going to admit to you, this is tough stuff. It's not just God's Spirit saying, no, 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 don't do that. He now says, do this instead. And he goes on. He says, instead, they should be gentle and show true humility. There it is right there. To everyone. Gentle and true humility to everyone. Okay. Okay. Gotcha, Paul. Let's see. 
So, Paul, you're talking about the people who I get along with, like at work, and most of the time we're great, but every once in a while they just get on my nerves. And so I should be gentle with that person. Is that what you're saying, Paul? Right? I got that right? No, no, no. Harley, everyone. Hmm. Okay. So let's get this right, Paul. You're, you're talking about the people who are usually good to me, but every once in a while, they really, they really get short with me. And so I, I should understand that and not lash back at that person, right? Hmm. No, Harley. Everyone. You you mean the person that gets on my last nerve? Everyone. The person trying to take credit for my work? Gentle. The person who throws me under the bus? Humble. The person who runs me down and talks about me when I'm not around. You're getting it. Everyone. Now listen to this. Paul goes on to say, listen friends, listen friends, I understand how difficult this is. I understand what I'm asking you to do because I have been there too. I have walked that way as well. Listen to what he says in verse 3. He says, once We too were foolish and disobedient. And we, he's saying, this was me, guys. Paul saying, this was me, foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. I love this verse. Paul is saying that he never, ever has forgotten where he came from, and from what he was saved. I love that. Paul is saying, at one time in my life, instead of being gentle and humble and growing in grace, he said, no, I was not even sensible. He said, I was foolish. I was not submissive. He said, I was disobedient. And Paul used the word misled. As if to say, I was misled into thinking that what I was doing was revealing that I was strong. What I was doing, I was misled into thinking I was taking up for myself or protecting myself or defending myself. But he said, I was deceived and I was acting a fool. Not only that, but Paul said, I actually became a slave to all kinds of passions to all kinds of pleasures. And he said there was no discipline. There was only next. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that next. And he said the end result was not me being fulfilled. The end result was not me being complete and full and happy. Nope. He said instead, the end result was I was filled with envy, I was filled with jealousy, I was filled with anger. 
all of that to say, I was filled, Paul was saying, with evil. And all of that erupted out of my life as hate. Paul said this about himself. Paul, as an adult, had to learn how to walk again. Now, here's a big thought. Apart from following God, we are all brutal with a very thin veneer of kindness. It's like we have this very thin skin over our whole lives, and it's a thin skin of nice. It's a thin skin of pleasant. But once it is stretched from the stress of life and the pressure of life, Paul is painting this picture saying it rips open, revealing what is actually inside of me, and it comes out. And that is a painful truth for me and for you, possibly, saying without God, we all degenerate into animals fighting over garbage. Then Paul says this in verse 4. Watch this. He says this, but he's saying, wait a minute, hold on. Listen, guys, that's what I was, but my story does not end there. Our story, my story, your story, our story doesn't end with me being jealous and angry and envious and evil. He says, but when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, Paul is saying, but I was that way, but all of that changed, Paul said. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared right before us. Now, I want you to contrast what he's saying in verse 4 with what he just said in verse 3. Listen to this. The contrast, the contrast is astounding. In verse 3, I'm the actor. It is my way, Harley's way of walking through this life. In verse 3, I'm the actor, I'm slandering, I'm jealous, I'm angry, I'm responding, and everyone around me is the recipient of my evil. That's verse 3. And now we have verse 4. I'm not the actor anymore. I'm merely the recipient. God becomes the actor. And God doesn't beat me down because I was foolish. He doesn't make me pay for what I did. No, 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 no. What I could not do for myself, God initiated for me. In verse 4, I'm the recipient, God is the actor. Here's what he did, read verse 5. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done. Why? Why would that be the case? It's the case because they were not righteous enough. It's the case because I am not good enough, and I never will be, neither would they. That's the case. Not because of the things I've done. Do you realize that was even the case for Mother Teresa? Mother Teresa was not good enough 
It's the truth. Do you realize there has never even been a pope that was righteous in himself enough to earn a relationship with God? Do you realize that's even the case with the great Billy Graham? He's not good enough. He's not righteous enough. He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. God, in his grace, saves everyone who submits their lives to him. Not because of anything they had done, any righteousness that they could say, look, God, I was good enough to earn it, to deserve it. No, no, it's only because of his mercy. Now, in this passage, we have three really big words, and it's all about God's grace. They all represent aspects of God's grace towards you and me. Here's the first word you see in this verse, kindness. The second word, love. And the third word, mercy. Here's here's another big thought. If you are on the path of grace and you're growing right now in that grace, it is only because of God's kindness, love, and mercy that he's lavished upon you, allowing you to be on that path of grace. And now Paul says this, that way that God has acted toward you, God now expects you and me to offer everyone around us, even the people you don't like. Kindness love, and mercy. Paul in this discussion has said, instead of slandering or quarreling, he said, no, 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 no. Instead, you should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Now, this is huge where we're going next. This is how we're ending this morning. Some of you would have never started following Jesus if you knew in advance what I was telling you today, that you were going to have to treat the people who are mean to you, the people you don't like, with love and kindness and mercy. If you knew that, that that was an expectation, God's saying, you need to do this, you must do this, you would have never followed Jesus in the first place. And some of you who are investigating following Jesus right now, you may say now today, no, I'm not going to follow Jesus because I'm not going to do that. But if you are on the path of grace right now, if you have submitted your life to him, you're a Christ follower right now, then I'm asking you to take this step that I'm getting ready to tell you to take this step this week. Now, listen very carefully, please, as we finish this, don't check out on me. I'm going to give you one step, but it has two parts to it. And I'm praying this. That before we pass the buckets, before we sing our last two songs in just a moment, before I pray to move past this teaching time, I am praying this, that you will agree to these two steps. I'm asking you to do this. Here's the first one. One, will you write down the name of a person with whom you are likely to have a run-in? Will you write down, not this moment, but today, 
will you write down the name of a person that you have a history of having run-ins with and you are likely to have another? Will you write down their name? And here's the second part that we're asking you to do this week. Today, will you write down a plan? What is one thing you can do this week to show that person kindness? Yes, to show them love and to offer them mercy like Jesus has offered you in your life. And will you do this with gentleness and humility? And please don't wait. Don't say, yeah, Harley, that's good information. I'm going to take this and do it. And then you wait until you're in, on the verge of a fight or a confrontation. No, no, no. Plan it right now while you're still more calm. Yes, you're greatly hurt, but still more calm. And do this with gentleness and true humility. And I just simply say this, and now may we... Go do it. Let's pray. But God, our Savior, you yourself revealed your kindness and your love towards us. God, you saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of your mercy and your mercy alone. God, even though we had been living as your enemy, you did this anyway. Now, God, may we walk the way you walked. May we learn to walk again, to show kindness and love and mercy to everyone, even those that we don't like. And God, help us Help us as we submit to you. Help us to learn to walk like you walked. God, help us to have the wisdom to listen to your spirit waving us down. And God, help us to have the courage to walk where he points. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.